0: Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Finn I'm on the phone with Brian, and today we're going to be reviewing the 2007 horror film Paranormal Activity, written and directed by Oren Pelley and starring Katie Featherston and Mika Sloat. In this film, a young couple faces off with some paranormal forces and a dangerous amount of male toxicity, as usual, Brian and I are gonna have a spoiler-free discussion up front on the background of this film, and then after a short musical break, we'll start to dive into the plot, uh, our review, and we'll also hit the spoilers. Um, Brian, had you seen this one recently? Uh no,
1: I don't think I'd seen it since theaters, maybe.
0: Yeah, I think the same. Which, like, like I guess it's been thirteen years, or I guess twelve years, right? Since it was two thousand nine. Yeah, it wasn't released in theaters
1: wide release until two thousand nine.
0: Yeah, that's that's crazy. I, I I figured uh we would have seen this between then and now given like how big of a film it is.
1: Right? Like, I'm surprised I haven't, unless I didn't forgot. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I think it was because there were so many sequels over the years, it's just like, well, <laughs> I'll just watch this new one.
0: Yeah, that'll keep you from going back to the original, right? If you just keep the franchise going. I wonder. But yeah. I guess I only kept up with the first three. How about you? same yeah that was the other thing uh, I don't think I've seen beyond the third one and I feel like the third one is probably uh put up put up like on the pedestal with this one in terms of the whole franchise what, it what have you seems, heard
1: it seems like the fandom kind of thinks that the third one is pretty great as well yeah yeah I, I kind of feel the same way yeah um yeah, but I remember I, digging that one
0: yeah yeah uh, but yeah, I got to say, like since we kicked this podcast off uh, two three years ago, um, this is probably like the movie I've been really excited to, to revisit with you at some point. Well, nice, man! It took us a long time. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering when it would be the right time to to bring this one up. Um, <laughs> and and on that, uh, I know, like you know, anyone who's listening to this podcast would know that I I think you're less favorable on found footage films compared to me. Do Do, do you want to talk a little bit about like your thoughts on this genre? Um, and why maybe you're, you're kind of down on this format? Oh, boy.
1: Good question. I think I'm... Every once in a while, we have these personas that we think maybe about ourselves and each other, but they don't always seem to be true. Oh, so yeah. Sometimes you end up giving found footage films lower ratings than I do. Yeah, actually, that's true. I, I guess I've I'm also it. noticed a lot of times you say you don't like gore, but you've been really into pretty gory movies and appreciating the gore lately. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess tastes evolve, right? I think maybe whoever we thought we were at the beginning of this podcast, we no longer are. (laughs) We've come a long way. In many ways.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I can now... uh, Yeah. (laughs) I've learned a few more words uh, since we started. (laughs) (laughs) And created a few more words. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's been a fun journey. So, are you saying you're warming up to found footage? I'm dodging the question. Um, Maybe not warming up to it. I think that it's just that there are... The bad ones seem to all reek of the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> reek is a strong word. But um, but there are a lot of great ones, too. I think maybe I'm trying to think of what I generally dislike about them. A lot of them rely on the same cheap scares, like the camera just moving and then landing on something terrifying and then moving away really quickly again. mm um, a lot of them don't have a whole lot of great character development because they don't hang with a specific character very long because the camera is always moving on to the next thing. Yeah. And it's hard to develop the person carrying the camera sometimes. Sure, right, right. But there are various movies that find ways around that. So I think a lot of it strangely depends on why they're filming and... Whether the filming is justified, like those aren't mm. things I objectively, uh, you know, check the box on for a found footage movie and give it points for or against, but I th- yeah. think that sometimes it lends itself to a better narrative, character development, plot, etc. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So
0: like, uh, yeah, a a lot of them, I guess, don't have like the context of like why even it is a found footage film. And uh, I think a lot of directors can use it as like a shortcut way to to make a movie, whereas other times it feels more
1: purposeful and uh, aligned with like the the goal of the movie or seems like it's in place. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and you can't blame the directors for doing it. It's a cheap, easy way to make a movie, low production costs. And um, yeah, why not? Right, yeah, yeah. It's so accessible, I guess, especially now with the technology and everyone having cameras. I'll ask you the opposite question. Why do you consider yourself such a fan of found footage if you still do consider yourself to be one?
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, you're right. Like, I think I started this uh, as a huge fan of it, and, and maybe I've I've come down while you've gone up a bit and we're meeting in the middle somewhere. But, uh, yeah, I I just love, like, the point of view and and the the realistic approach of it uh, when it's done right, and uh, it kind of reminds you, in in some ways, of, like, playing a video game or something, where you're kind of, like, in that driver's seat, and especially in horror, I think it avoids some of, like, the, the storytelling which other films like to do, and just keeps it, like, very... Real world, uh, scary stuff happening. That some is explainable, some is inexplainable, But um, you don't have time to like dive into characters or other storylines or anything. So it kind of keeps the focus centered. Um, so I, I think that's why I've historically liked it. And I thought I thought like Coast uh, did an amazing job. But over the last few years, I mean, how many like great found footage films have there been? Like a few, two or three.
1: Great, great. Um, yeah, maybe a handful. Yeah, it seems to be going down. I'd say every year there's one with a recognizable
0: name, though, mm, yeah, yeah, sure, so it's it's still kind of kicking around as a genre
1: that I guess that's yeah, let like, to see, yeah, it's cooled, it's cooled down, like I went through the years since two thousand and seven and wrote down a name of one every year that I thought was a name that most horror fans would recognize, oh, yeah, and then in twenty after twenty. 15 honestly, it kind of slows down, yeah. It gets hard. Um, You've got Blair Witch remake in 2016. Not that there aren't other movies, Mm. um, and maybe there's a movie in there, listeners, that you're like, that one was amazing, but to me, they weren't like big names that jumped out at me, yeah. Right, there's the Blair Witch remake in 2016, or um, not remake, I think it's a sequel, right? And then it's not really a horror film, but Searching in 2018 is kind of like a found footage. It's like this new subgenre of found footage where it's all done via screens. Yeah, yeah. And then host, obviously. In twenty twenty, as above, so below. Wasn't that like in the last four or five years as well? That was twenty fifteen. Oh, Okay, so twenty fifteen had kind of. Creep, Unfriended, The Visit. Um, as above, so below. No, I'm sorry, that was twenty fourteen. Mm. Oh, I forgot. The Visit was like found footage. That was that was cool. Yeah, The Taking of Deborah Logan was another good one.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. I'd put that up there, too, in the good ones for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I, I, th- I, think you're right. Yeah, the numbers are coming down, but you, you do have, like, a good quality one every few years, I guess. Um, and, and this whole, like, uh, how how it's kind of spilling over into, like, more things like uh, host and uh, searching around, like, uh, online kind of stuff is pretty interesting, too.
1: Yeah, yep. And Unfriended started that back in 2015. Oh, yeah, we got it. Have you seen that? No, we should probably take care of that. yeah. Yeah, it seems like something
0: we gotta see. Um, And then to your your point about like how inexpensive it is, I was amazed
1: to see that this is like the most profitable movie that's ever been made. Is that right? (laughs) Isn't that crazy? It's presumed to be. We don't always know the numbers. The theaters or the studios don't. They're not required to report accurate budgets and accurate marketing uh, dollar amounts. But it's presumed that this is the most profitable of all time.
0: Yeah, that's insane. Who would have guessed, right? I mean, like it makes sense. It's it's such a cheap movie, but I, I guess I would have assumed like some big budget like blockbuster movie or something would be up there.
1: Yeah, it was shot for fifteen thousand, and then after Paramount acquired it, they did a new ending that cost an additional two hundred thousand. I don't know how. Oh. <laughs> um, but then the box office was one hundred ninety three point four million on that two hundred and fifteen k budget yeah yeah that's 900 times it's money back oh
0: my god that's incredible and then and then uh in then second place for most profitable films is Blair Witch Project right Oh, was it okay? I didn't, I didn't go down the list, but
1: that that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which so so that that's what I'm wondering is like uh, Blair Witch. I I mean I guess going all the way back to found footage films. Uh, I, I think the first horror film that did it was like Cannibal Holocaust back in the day. Uh, but then you have like this huge success with Blair Witch in 1998, uh, maybe or like late 90s. Uh, Ninety nine. Ninety nine. Okay. What happened between 99 and 2007? I mean, there were, like, a number of horror films that were found footage that, that came out that, like, we didn't hear about or went under the radar. What
1: was it about this one that, like, was so explosive? Any, any thoughts on that? That's a good question. I'm not very well versed in the horror movies between these two that were found footage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you find many? I found a
0: list, and it's, like, movies I've I've never really heard of before, and I just don't know, like, why this one came to the top and those ones. Because you had this format that was proven and worked so well with Player Witch, and I think you had a bunch of
1: copycats after that, but something about this one I think really took off. Two things that may have been a big deal about this one. It had that similar, um, like, unsureness as to whether or not it was real, because oh. the movie started off, like thanking the families of kate and mika katie and mika and the san diego police department right right um one thing i don't know of for sure the camera was way more steady in this than blair witch that was a huge complaint at the time of blair witch people were getting motion sickness oh yeah and in here, a good chunk of the footage is from cameras that are set down on a table or stationed in a certain spot. Like there's yeah. movement, too, but they're not running through the woods. They're moving around a house. Right, right. So yeah, that that's may point. have made it a bit easier on the eyes. Um, there was some viral marketing to it as well. Like you could vote on the next city that it came to. Yeah, yeah. I think that really helped build the buzz uh, around this one. Right, like cool and approach. so they—they they, obviously Blair Witch had that too with like uh, missing persons posters and a website and everything. So I think probably it was a little bit of the viral marketing that helped, and and maybe the fact that it was a little easier to watch than some found footage could be.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then, and then obviously you have like huge studios or like a, uh, studio, yeah, you have two big like stu- production studios behind it, like Paramount, and like Steven Spielberg had his hands on it. So uh, maybe you just have, like, good backing to to get it out into uh, the
1: world. Yeah, and I mean, that's why, like, that makes it so much more understandable why it's so popular, maybe not popular among consumers, but there are so many of them because as a director, you can get it off the ground and do it quickly and easily without having to make, like, get a whole bunch of money to do it. And then as a major studio, there's always that, carrot dangling out there that, hey, Blair Witch was crazy profitable, Paranormal was crazy profitable, maybe we can buy this for cheap and make a ton of money off of it. Right. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. It kind of created the whole business case and the the opportunity for studios behind it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So basically the creatives can do it because it's a low barrier to entry and the big studios are willing to take a risk on it because, again, it's probably not that expensive to buy the distribution rights to it and then uh, you can potentially make a ton of money on it yeah yeah buy low sell high (laughs) it works pretty well
0: uh yeah and then like it's it's such a huge legacy that that comes out of this and in addition to like the the business profit and all that stuff uh you've got like i I feel like this was huge for jason bloom and the bloom house production studio i mean i I feel like this is like their first big film and then opened the door for all the other stuff they would go on to do um even like the director it sounds like he did this one and then he just kind of took a backseat and became producer on all the other films right Uh, so yeah it just seems like it opened a lot of doors uh in in this
1: space yeah i agree yeah oren pelly was a producer on every one of these movies in the franchise all the insidious movies lord the lords of salem the bay right a few more yeah
0: yeah that's, that's that's crazy and uh it doesn't seem like the actor and the actress though did much outside of uh this one uh katie or mika
1: no, Katie did some TV and smaller films, and Mika did barely anything else. Right, right.
0: Yeah, uh, which I, I guess is this one's a hard one to follow. I'm not even sure how good of actors uh, they are, but I guess we'll talk about that later. Sure, sure, yeah. I'm guessing we'll dig into that pretty heavily in the review. Yeah, yep. Uh, but I, I love that story about the director like this was his first film and uh, he was I think like a video game designer or something and uh, he just kind of uh, wrote directed and produced this all for like ten, fifteen thousand thousand dollars on his own I mean uh, what, yeah so talk about like someone coming out of nowhere making a film and then it just kind of blowing up it's wild right right it's pretty cool yeah um, yeah any I, oh also interesting I think I didn't know uh, previously was that there was no script so I,
1: it sounds like most of this was improvised is that the impression you got yeah, basically the script was just an outline and they knew what the gist of the scene was and they improvised. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, pretty nuts.
0: <laughs> I guess, yeah. That's probably easier on these like found footage films uh, versus like going off a rehearsed script. I mean, I'm sure that
1: maybe comes off more natural in that uh, scenario then. It might, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about this in like mumble gore movies and how a lot of those are... Uh, improvised and Mm. acted very naturalistically, and I think we see a lot of that here, but I think it turned out a little differently, which we'll discuss further in the review. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Um, Great, Uh, do you
0: have uh, any other background you want to hit on this film?
1: Oh, I was just going to run through the uh, entire franchise and the years they were released, like I always do. Oh, yeah, let's hear it. So, kicked off with Paranormal Activity, 2007 is the date on IMDb, that's the first screening date, but it wasn't released until 2009. In 2010, you had Paranormal Activity 2, which was a prequel, 2011, Paranormal Activity 3, which was a prequel even to that, and then Paranormal Activity 4. In 2012, Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones, in 2014, and Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, in 2015. So that's six movies. And then there is a seventh that is in the works, a retooling of the franchise. And it's set to have William Eubank direct it, and he directed Underwater with Kristen Stewart. Oh, cool. And that's slated for this year? Uh, I don't know. I think it might be 2022. It, it doesn't, okay. I think they had a release date on it at some point and they changed it and they may not even have a release date to it at this point. Got it. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. They're really milking the series. It's, it's wild. Yeah. And it's written by Christopher Landon who wrote two, three and four and the marked oh. ones Oh, and wow. he directed the marked ones too.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. Y- you think you'd ever like w- try to catch up, uh, on the rest of the series? Four yeah and sure sure yeah all right uh, there'll be a few like uh, sequel septembers in a in any year in a row right
1: a few years of this y- yeah maybe we should just skip two and do three
0: yeah that's what i
1: was thinking <laughs> <laughs> although i think the story kind of goes continuously Hmm. we'll see we'll see yeah i remember like three kind of jumps back in time though right maybe we'll do two as a patreon and three for mm-hmm. everybody that sounds good to me all right, cool. All right, so yeah, thanks for uh, sharing
0: the years of the, the the entrance into the franchises, and then uh, any uh, any other background?
1: I don't, but I have a couple of housekeeping items and an Ohio connection. If you are cool with that, let's do it. Okay, I would just like to do our occasional shout out to our Patreon support supportums, supportums. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon supporters: Adam, Jordan, Bjorn, Amy, Cooper, Sam, Moon Monk. Margo, Becca, Kelly, and Blake. Thank you all for supporting our show. And I got to meet Blake in person, in real life. That's incredible. That's so cool. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And very uh, surreal. And, and uh, Blake's got a podcast too, right? Yeah. Midweek Matinee. So go check okay. that out. A great podcast. They discuss all sorts of movies. A couple of podcasters hanging out in uh, Asheville. Just a couple of podcasters hanging out outside. Pretty cool. Um, and I wanted to remind listeners that we do have some merchandise available. Our friend Amy at Amy made pop art created a set of five coasters. Four of them have awesome pop art images of characters from some of our favorite horror movies that we've covered on the show. And one coaster has the full version of our logo as it appears on our website, horrormovieclub.com. And I've posted the link to that on our socials. And hopefully I'll get it on our website by the time you hear this, the promo code, Movie Club, all caps, gets you 15% off of those coasters or anything in Amy's shop. So go to Etsy.com and search Amy May Pop Art, all one word. Even if you don't want our stuff, she's got great art in there, and you can use that Movie Club, all caps, to get 15% off and free shipping on any order over $35. And Ohio Connection. Are you ready, Ash? Yeah. Ready. Alright, Alex, who does our Ohio Connection every week, says that in Paranormal Activity, filmmaker Oren Peli set out for authenticity and natural interactions from the cast. Inexperienced actor Mika Sloat recalled being cast after responding to an ad seeking unknown actors with the ability to improvise and work during the night without knowing what the next scene would entail. The cast is small, mostly centering on characters Mika and Katie. During the film, Mika shows Katie a video of someone named Diane being possessed by the demon. Diane was played by improv actress Ashley Palmer. Prior to casting, she had performed with the Upright Citizens Brigade comedy troupe and parlayed this performance into bit parts on TV's Desperate Housewives, Big Love, and Criminal Minds. Ashley Palmer graduated from Loveland High School in Cincinnati, Ohio. Awesome.
0: That's great. Hey, who, yeah. who was she in the movie? Was she the one on the screen when they were like doing the research? Yeah, we really only see her on a computer screen. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I saw her name in the cast. I, I feel like there were only like three or four people in this film. Yeah, nice. yeah. There really, I think, five if you include her. Mm, okay. Yeah, pretty minimal. Wow. For awesome. Sure. Great connection. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Yeah. Nice job. All right. Cool. Well, uh, any other background or are you ready to hit our review and uh, go through the plot and spoilers? I'm done with
1: all my spiels. Let's do the plot. All Let's right. Spoil cool. some stuff. All right,
0: sounds good. Hey, uh, before we dive into that, though, uh, do you mind if we take a quick break? It's, it's date night over here, and I, I just got to uh, do something special. Uh, can oh, can okay. I give you a call
1: back? You certainly can. Take your time. All right, cool. I'll be right back. <laughs>
0: Hey, Brian. Sorry about that. Yeah? How did date night go? Oh, it was good. It was good. You know, we're trying to be more adventurous uh, in our foreplay, and uh, um, we do this thing where uh, one of us stands at the foot of the bed and watches the other sleep for two or three hours, so it was my turn to do that. So it was, <laughs> it was a long night, but very rewarding. <laughs> very, very sexy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. we we'll a good uh, watching someone sleep for a few hours. So nothing quite like it. Uh, all right, cool. Well, uh, we'll dive into the plot here and, and uh, discuss the happenings of this movie as we go. So uh, the first thing that happens in this film is, uh, as Brian, mentioned earlier, we do see um, some uh, language around uh, thanking the families for access to this video to give you the sense that this is some kind of found footage that uh, I think the police department owns or something. Is that, is that right? I don't know if they say who owns the footage, but they thank the families and they thank the police department. Okay, yeah. So something official has happened here. Right. Um, so the movie opens, introducing us to the two main characters, Mika and Katie. Um, they're this young couple that have just moved in together in, I, th- I think, around like San Diego or something. And uh, one of the things I like is right off the bat, they're talking about how some weird stuff has been happening, and Mika's just bought this camera, and that they want to kind of start documenting uh, the things that are going on here. And uh, we see the first night they kind of set up the camera so that it's showing the bedroom and you can see into the hallway. And this is the the same scene that we'll get like every night, basically. But uh, we see some like low key things happening. Like there's like a thump or a key's like fall on the floor in the distance. Um, just like some pretty minor stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. What'd you, you think of this opening and like this kind of contact
1: setting? Uh, I like it. I think Mika and Katie. Their relationship is like sometimes a little cringy. Like, oh, yeah, it's hard to like watch a real life couple, like a couple who seems like they're not even actors. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, being (laughs) affectionate with each other. I don't know. So, like, you you didn't feel like it was believable or no, I just like, uh, you know, that feeling you get when like couples like puppy talk to each other or call each other babe a lot. (laughs) like grossed grossed out (laughs) yeah no offense to any of you um yeah yeah but it made it realistic and i do like right away they tell you the justification for the camera um so that's why it's on at night and it's on other times because you learn mika's basically just a jerk who wants to film everything (laughs) so it's like checking all
0: the boxes for brian's uh, found footage like a- exactly <laughs> yeah uh he he is a jerk and you can kind of tell that right like i don't think i picked up on that when i first saw this film but
1: uh watching it this time it, he he felt like a jerk to you up front yeah man and i wondered the same thing i was like did i realize how much of a jerk this guy was when i watched <laughs> yeah. it in 2009 like i don't remember that I, I, know. I, I know i hope that
0: i did Part of me thinks, like, if you look at any of us back in the 2000s, we were all
1: jerks compared to now. I think but, so, too. There's just a lot more cultural cultural awareness of things like that. Like, there are buzzwords that popped into my mind throughout yeah. this film, like gaslighting and toxic yeah. masculinity, like, that I didn't even know what those terms meant a couple of years ago. I know, I know. now watching it, like, it totally jumps out to you, right? When you hear
0: him, like, say, like, at some of the things he says as they go through.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's awful.
0: He is. And I think one of the biggest hints up front is he uh, calls himself a day trader, which for me, that's like in the douchebag category. <laughs> but I don't know. no offense to day traders. We have
1: offended the couples, anybody who calls their significant <laughs> other babe, and any yep. day traders in the crowd. Yeah. That's probably <laughs> entire audience. we continue? Audience? <laughs> I, I think we can retire at this point, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I mean, you know, yeah. The
1: <laughs> I mean, he's he's doing a good job at it because in San Diego to have this place all to themselves, then. Yeah. He's obviously a successful day trader. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, and she, I think, is like a, a student, I think, uh, as an English student at a college. So there's some minor details like that we pick up on. Sure. Um So, another thing that happens early on is they have a psychic stop by, and I I think this is to to help us kind of understand what's been going on. Katie reveals that since she's been, I think, up until age she was eight, she was kind of having some like supernatural stuff happening to her, and it's kind of happened throughout the years, and their house burned down when she was a kid. Uh, She also uh, reveals, like, what's been going on in the house. Like, she keeps hearing something whispering her name and uh, some crazy things like the sounds of, like, nails being dragged on the wall and um, some other, like, pretty ominous events. And you can also tell, like, Mika at this point is, like, pretty dismissive or making a joke of these things, which I think, to your point, is kind of like that gaslighting or just, like, kind of not taking uh, her
1: traumatic experiences, like, seriously, right? Yeah, he admits to having heard the strange stuff, but he still seems skeptical and... generally he's generally a jerk and he's disrespectful to the psychic too
0: yeah and his whole thing of like having this camera and trying to record stuff feels like mostly for his entertainment or he's just like kind of trying to have fun with this where she's
1: obviously like scared the whole movie right yeah and something the psychic says here is that the uh like a haunting like this can feed off of negative energy and you can't help but wonder if that's it's like come and gone in her life since she was eight years old and you can't help but wonder if Mika is the cause of it now mm. yeah that's, a, that's an interesting angle yeah yeah that didn't cross my mind but good point at one point here it was all like shortly after he said that they're or one of them says they're engaged to be engaged to the psychic yeah uh, Mika says that and Katie kind of like gives him an eye rolling look and mm. shortly after that they said it feeds off of negative energy so I had to wonder if that was a bit of a hint Oh, okay, okay. So, you felt like between them, just from the get-go, there was some negative energy? Um, yeah, I mean, bubbling under the surface. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, But I I think also, like, whatever we discuss about the reasons things might be happening here, I think some of that might get, like, explained in 2 and 3, but I'm just going to approach this movie as if there were never sequels intended for purposes of this review. Same, same. Yeah, I don't want to dive into like all the
0: backstory we get in those uh, films. Yeah. Uh, so that sounds good. Uh, okay, so then uh, a few nights go by, and every night, basically, we're getting this view of uh, them sleeping. And every night, also, between 2 to 3.30, some weird things happen. Like a door will like move on its own a little bit, or th- we'll hear like, thumps, or uh, just kind of weird noises happening. Um, so uh, nothing too crazy. Oh, and sorry, one of the things I forgot here is the uh, psychic had told Katie that she needs to call this demonologist, who specializes in this kind of thing. But uh, Mika is like, yeah, we're not going to do that. And it's just kind of shutting that idea down because he thinks he can uh, handle it because he's a dude, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Yes. I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think one of the most, uh, like when things kind of really amp up is uh, one night Katie gets out of bed um, and just like kind of stares at Mika for like two hours, just like standing there and then wanders, sleepwalks outside. He goes out there and finds her, and she's not really responding. And tries to bring her inside. They hear more banging going on upstairs. So I, I think this is kind of uh, one of the bigger uh, things where at times where like things are starting to turn and get a little scarier. Uh, wh- what did you think of like
1: all these nighttime scenes and uh, the sequencing of what was happening? I really liked it. It took its time and it escalated without escalating too much too fast. It, it escalated enough to hold your interest. Yeah. Um, and it was cool because. I think one cool thing about this movie is a lot of supernatural movies have these moments that are just for the audience, right? That the the character may not even realize is happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like you maybe see something in the background that the character doesn't even see. Right, right. And that's kind of a fun treat for the audience. Yeah. But this movie has that, but then you also get to see their reactions to what happened because they watch it later on a tape or they listen to it on a recording and I think that gives you the benefit of, like, seeing these things before the character realizes they're there and building the suspense of, like, <gasps> what's going to happen to them? But then yeah. you also get character development because you get to see them reacting to it later on after the fact. That's a really good point. That is a very unique thing. I, I, don't, I don't know if you, uh, like, have that
0: uh, view in a lot of movies, right? Like, the you see it and then the character sees it. That is really neat. That's
1: kind of a unique thing for this one. Yeah, how did you feel about the... Uh, just the progression here and and the the tapes kind of being the backbone of the overnight tapes kind of being the backbone of the plot and how things progress
0: Yeah, I I thought it was very effective, like, to your point, like, it, 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 like, amps up very slowly, and it's not like you're, you're getting, like, too scared off the bat, uh, and I think what really works well about, uh, these nighttime scenes is, uh, one, like, the visual of, like, you see their room, and then you see, like, the hallway, which, like, god, they're, they're sleeping with the door open every night, and I don't, like, I just kept thinking, like, why don't you just shut that door and, like, protect yourselves or something, but, uh, you, yeah, as, as a viewer, and like I know we've talked about this in other episodes, like that whole idea of like empty space and your eyes are just kind of wandering the whole time trying to see like, is something going on? What's happening? And also, it's like dead quiet. And so, like, you're trying to pick up on every sound you hear. So, it really just pulls you in as an audience, like trying to find something
1: like a, an Easter egg or so, something in there, right? For sure. It's a well framed shot, too. Because then you also have the bedroom with, you know, the various whatever's on the shelves or the nightstands in your wondering if one of something over there is going to float or move or one of them is going to move in the bed or yeah then on the opposite side of the shot is the dark hallway which you can't quite see down but right uh it's cool and oftentimes you hear things that sound like they're coming from down the hallway yeah yeah exactly yeah that is like so scary and i
0: I think they do a really good job of putting you as the viewer in in that seat of like uh yeah just like searching the screen trying to figure out like where something's about to come from yeah it's wild um, so, uh, yeah, things things were picking up. Uh, one of the things they had talked about doing was getting, like, a Ouija board, but uh, the psychiatrist, or not the psychiatrist, the psychic, and uh, Katie, uh, well, the psychic had said if you try to communicate with this thing, it's, it's a bad idea because you're giving it power and letting it in, and so right. Katie had kind of, like, shut down that idea, but mika circumvents the rule by not buying a ouija board but borrowing one so he's he's a genius there and uh he leaves it out on the table when they go out for a night uh and we see the the thing on the board kind of move around and then the board catch on fire um so that was uh did did you feel like that was a dick move on his part to get that
1: yeah for sure and he just totally lied to her face about it i mean he promised to not buy a ouija board and then borrowed one and just laughed it off Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just like no matter how many times she told him to stop or not to do a thing, he just did it. Like, yeah. Stop filming, stop taunting the ghosts, like whatever. He just kept doing it. Right. Yeah. He was so insistent. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty insensitive towards uh, like what she's been through. Yeah. So uh, a few nights later, you know, they've been hearing like some footsteps and like uh, every now and then, like they'll, they'll see like uh, blankets moving on, on the camera when they watch it the next day. Um, so uh, Mika puts some powder on the ground to kind of see if, if they can see any footprints coming into the room. And that night, sure enough, uh, footprints show up that come to up to the bed. They follow these footprints and it leads up to this crawl space and in the crawl space they find this old photo of Katie from her childhood that's kind of burned because uh, she was her old house was burnt. And it kind of ties back to a memory that she had talked about uh, earlier in the film. So uh, they don't know how it got up there but they're pretty spooked. And I think the biggest takeaway here is that whatever is haunting her now has been following her her whole life. Is that is that what you got from it?
1: Yeah, and I almost got like a weird guardianship vibe from it. Like, oh yeah, I've saved this picture of you from when you were a kid.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like almost like uh, someone looking out for you and like very fond memories of you when you were a kid. Here's the photo. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's... And here's a scrapbook I made. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. See, you're only eight. <laughs> oh
1: man, that's a that's good. I, li- I like to imagine the demons doing that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think we forgot, did this happen already, that the um, Ouija board spelled something out, or did he not discover that yet?
0: Uh, I didn't go into that, because I wasn't sure what it spelled out.
1: Did, did you understand that? He thought it was a name, it's, it was Goodbye, and then he thought it was a name like Diane or Edina or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then that's how he discovers this woman, Diane, on the internet, who had similar things happen to her. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought I told- though it was trying to spell out Mika because a lot of those letters were like right next to the letters in his name. Mm, wow! Wow! Good! Good catch, man. I,
0: I totally didn't uh, connect that together. So it was it was spelling out Diane, and, and that's what led them to the
1: to find Diane's video later. I think so, but okay. I still wanted to. In my mind, it was trying to spell out Mika. Uh-huh. okay, cool. Because he could only see it from a distance from the camera, to he just had to guess at what letters it was on yeah yeah interesting and it's spelled goodbye goodbye is an option like a like how yes or no are options on the Ouija board you don't have to spell them out it can just go to where it says yes or no Mm. I think goodbye is an option and maybe hello so the the cursor just went to the word goodbye
0: wow I didn't know that'd be on a Ouija board do you think like good morning is on there (laughs) what if like like, common phrases would be I'm busy Yeah, I'm busy. LOL. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, Yeah. I I, I wasn't sure about mentioning the Diane thing because I wasn't uh, quite understanding it, but it sounds like they use that to then discover that old video online of uh, another woman who was possessed uh, back in the 60s or 70s uh, named Diane and, uh, I think they put together a theory that whatever demon was possessing her back then at some point jumped and now is
1: possessing Katie. Is that your understanding of it? I think that's what they thought could be happening, or it was a similar possession at least. Okay, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, so, uh, meanwhile things are getting worse, uh, Katie's trying to get a hold of the demonologist finally, but he's out of town, uh, so they missed their window there, um, and that night, uh, I think the the, the whatever entity or demon or whatever uh drags her out of the room in the middle of the night and Micah is, is trying to grab her to bring her back um and uh he's able to like, kind of pull her back in the room and they're just uh really scared at this point and you can tell I think uh throughout the film like you know they, they haven't slept they've been really stressed and they're kind of like getting on each other uh, in a big way and so they decide finally that it's time to call it quits and go to the hotel but uh, the next day, Katie's become pretty catatonic, and she's got this bite mark, bite mark on her back from the attack the previous night. And at
1: one point, she's on the floor with blood on her knees, or on her legs. Did you understand what happened there? She was squeezing a crucifix so hard that it caused her hand to bleed. Oh, She was just okay. clutching a crucifix. Is that
0: a thing, like, uh, people who are possessed might do?
1: Um, I thought it was just, huh, I don't know. Yeah. I thought she was just trying to ward away the demon and was so stressed that she didn't realize how hard she was squeezing it. Interesting. Okay.
0: But uh, then when he, like, says, let's go to the hotel, she's saying, no, we're just going to stay here. Everything's going to be fine. And I think we hear a second voice speaking when,
1: when she's talking. So I think at this point it's safe to say she's, like, been possessed, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that second voice creeps up underneath a sentence that she says that is, I think we'll be okay now, and then yeah. she kind of smiles as she drifts off to sleep. Right, right, yep. so we know we're in for something good, so that night, uh,
0: which is the final night, uh, she wakes up, again, around two or three, stands by the bed and watches Mika sleep, uh, then she goes downstairs, we suddenly hear her start screaming off the camera. Mika wakes up and runs downstairs so he's off the camera and all we hear is him start screaming and then like there's a big thud and things go silent and then we hear like slow footsteps coming up the stairs and then we see Mika's body thrown at the camera Katie comes into the room she's got blood on her shirt she bends down at the camera level and the movie ends with uh, her crawling towards the camera and her face Turning into a grin, and then I think turning into some kind of like demon or something, right?
1: Yeah, there are some effects on her face here to make it look creepy and demonic as yeah. it rapidly approaches the camera. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's pretty quick shot, and then we end with uh,
0: some language that says uh, Mika's body was found, and they still don't know where Katie is to this yep. day. <laughs> so, what what, what do you think of the ending? Like,
1: do you feel like uh, did you did you like how it ended, or did, did it feel I... cheesy? i did like how it ended i think the morphing of the face towards the end was a little bit cheesy Mm. um but i still liked it 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 gave you the moment like the scares it kind of was fun to see mika get his and then just creepy to see her wandering after the fact yeah Um, did you see that there were two other
0: endings I did, yeah, and I couldn't tell if any of those were better. So so in one, I think uh, the police, like,
1: find her the next day, right? Yeah, so I watched both of them. I think in the original ending, the police find her the next day. Like, she comes up into the room. She doesn't throw him. You just, like, hear the scuffle, and then she comes up into the room holding a knife with blood on her shirt and just starts... She sits on the ground, and she's, like, rocking back and forth. Oh. And then you hear, like... You see that the time is switching from day to night multiple times. You hear the phone ringing. You hear her sister come into the house and start screaming and run out. Then you hear the cops come in. Yeah. And then when the cops come in, she's like, Mika, where's Mika? Have you seen him? And she runs at the cops with these with this knife in her hand because she's so disoriented, and they shoot her. Oh, wow. That's, that's another ending? I think that was what the original was supposed to be. I'm getting oh, okay. confused now about which one was which. Okay. Um, And then there was an alternate where she throws him at the camera, and then she walks into the room and slits her own throat. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, I read about that one. So do you you feel like this was the best out of the three? I, boy, I struggle to tell you the truth. I kind of like the one with the cops. I like them all for different reasons, I guess. Um, Yeah. The one where she slits her own throat was maybe a little too nihilistic for me. (laughs) <laughs> um, sure. I think it's because you like Katie so much and are rooting for her that I yeah, guess you'd yeah. like rather see her live on as a demon than immediately have her throat cut. Yep. Um, and it kind of didn't make as much sense. Like this demon just wanted to like possess her to kill Mika and her and then move on. Mm.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, I didn't. I did, I that part is hard to understand, right? Like, why has this demon been kind of messing with her all these years? And it was just like the end game just to possess her when it could have possessed her way earlier, right? Right, right. But I, I think that goes to your point earlier. Like, uh, so, so you think the reason, like, a lot of this happened is because, like, their negative energy grows and that gives strength to the demon throughout the film?
1: I think so. And I like to think of him, and I'm sure, like, people are like, no, this isn't the direction the franchise goes brian and you're way off but for this movie's purpose i kind of liked to think of this demon as a guardian of sorts and there was a point where it smashed a picture but it had only smashed mika's face oh yeah good point right so i like to think of the demon as like i want to live in you and kill you mm. yeah yeah interesting <laughs>
0: uh i like that approach that makes sense it makes the demon seem like a little nicer a person i
1: guess yeah more <laughs> what what did you think of the ending
0: uh, yeah, I, I thought, uh, the, the face kind of turning, uh, I didn't know if that was, like, entirely necessary, like, I thought it was pretty effective enough just seeing her, uh, you know, like, uh, hovering over his body, uh, I, I don't know if he needed that, like, last, uh, scare, but it, it, it works and everything, I, I thought the reason, though, the demon, like, was gaining strength was was because of like what Mika was doing in terms of like engaging with it and like catching it on camera or on microphones or with the powder or with the Ouija board like that all stuff was like kind of like enabling or like strengthening its ability to demonstrate more of its power. So uh I, I kind of saw Mika as like the one who
1: opening the door uh, for that demon to come in. I think so too. I think the negative energy that he represented in Katie's life is what kind of made the awoken awoken aw, awaken the demon yeah um but then yeah his taunting and trying to reach out to it via the ouija board and saying things like is that all you got oh yeah made it stronger <laughs> is that all you got uh this is my house
0: <laughs> this is my girlfriend you can't do that he literally said that
1: <laughs> yeah I know. and then like When he did the powder thing on the floor, she was like, this is the last thing we're trying, and then tomorrow I call a demonologist. And he goes, shh, you're too cute to be talking. Oh, (laughs) God. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, that's cringeworthy, man. That's hard to see. Uh, So, yeah,
0: character-wise, what do you think? It sounds like you liked Katie, but not Mika.
1: Well, I don't like Mika, but strangely enough, I think they both end up endearing themselves to you somehow. Like you at least become attached to them even though you don't like mika yeah like you just they feel a little bit real yep and you like katie so much and she loves mika so much despite all this nonsense um so i think that i think that you're attached to them just in the fact that they seem really human and real yeah Um, what do you think
0: yeah, I, I, I agree. I think they're uh, a very, like, realistic relationship, and yeah, I'm kind of down on Mika, but he's also, like, a, a part of, like, the picture of Mika and Katie, so it's, it's hard to kind of, like, look at one without the other, and uh, I think they, they fit together, like, in, in the context of this movie pretty well, and, like, uh, maybe it's, like, yeah, the, to your point, like, the, the realistic nature of their dialogue and, and the, the bantering that goes on between the two
1: just seems, like, really real and grounded. Yeah. And and folks, when we say like they fit well together, we get that this is like a horrible relationship, and Mika's oh, yeah. a piece of shit. But <laughs> is, it yeah. just there was something true to sad but true about it. Right, um, right, yeah. And they had good chemistry. I think that is what differentiates this movie from some other movies we've seen with like improv and naturalistic acting. Like sure they have chemistry they just seem right together it's a good fit yeah Um, something natural like almost like a familiarity between them right right it's like we're really watching two people in a relationship and that know each other and they i'm pretty sure the director said that was a factor like he liked each of them in their casting auditions but then when they were together he was like all right this is done yeah right right this makes sense
0: yeah but but yeah it it sounds like uh all that being said Miko's a dick and he plays. Uh, he was playing this electric guitar that doesn't even have pickups on it, uh, which I don't know. It's one of, one of those things where like he can emulate different sounds, and yeah, hey, on top of everything else, he, he just hits something all the something a day boxes. trader
1: would play. Yeah,
0: yeah, like ah, uh, a uh, 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 guitar sounds cool. How about one without uh, pickups on it that can make any sound? Isn't is that <laughs> like a? <laughs> Isn't that what, like an asshole would say?
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll figure um, out what else we can offend. everyone with a guitar that doesn't have pickups on it (laughs) yeah uh what else did you like or didn't like about this i think that i guess to add to that point i think part of the fact that they were endearing is just that you see so much of them like it's under 90 minutes but every moment is spent with them pretty much yeah right yeah you're spending a lot of time with those two for sure yeah Uh, Um, i
0: think that kind of hammers that uh that that relationship in, in your head and just makes it very believable right
1: yeah. And it's kind of the opposite of what one of the problems I brought up with The Conjuring was. Like, The Conjuring, all the camera time was split between two families. Oh, yeah. You had and so this, many people on that. Yeah, yeah. And this really only has two characters. Yeah. Right, right. I uh, think it's also just genuinely scary, man. Uh,
0: Like, in, in what way? Like, the, the visuals of it, or like, when you think about the, the concepts and uh the, like the techniques or like w- which 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 part like got you the most
1: i think just the playing with the knowledge of what to show and what not to show and the restraint mm-hmm. like it it made good choices about what the entity would and wouldn't do and where to draw the line and how far to go like right. you always see things happening you never see the demon until that last weird shot which we're not too fond of but whatever it's only like a microsecond of the film but just to see like all the typical paranormal things happening and find a way to have them increase in intensity without getting to a hokey point where you see too much or too much goes on Um, and just like all the choices of what the demon would do or just things you could imagine happening in your own house sure yeah, it's very relatable, right? Like, who, who doesn't hear noises at night and wonder what it is? Yeah, and like you said, the, the negative space and the fear of the unknown all utilized really well here. Yeah, and I like what you said about restraint, too, because
0: so much of these scares happen off-camera, and I think that just makes it like so much scarier, like hearing her screaming at the end, or like even in the middle, I think we hear like something shriek downstairs, and there's like big noises coming outside. So a lot of the horror doesn't even happen on the camera, which... Uh, is, like, really effective, surprisingly.
1: Yeah, that's true. That whole end scene, she's screaming for Mika, and then you just hear something go down, and you don't know what.
0: Yeah, yeah. You have any idea what happened when he went down there? Do you think it was just, because uh, he, like, yells, like, oh, my God, or something, What is is it just
1: she's stabbing him, or do you think there's, like, a monster down there or something? I <laughs> I assume it was just she called for help, and then when he approached, she just stabbed him. Oh, and then he yelled, like, oh, my God. Yeah the sink wasn't flooded, or <laughs>
0: ants, ants on the counter, like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. It just leaves, like, so much of the imagination, and it's a powerful way to tell a story.
1: It's also kind of a... It's interesting because it's a slower movie with some space. Like, it reminds me of an old movie in that way. Like, oh, we're yeah. not constantly moving from one plot point to another. You don't have to keep track of a lot of stuff right you can just kind of sit back and leisurely take it in like nothing's moving so fast that you won't catch things yeah but it yeah. also just keeps plodding forward and it, it never really feels like s- slow in a bad way
0: yeah it, it is kind of well paced while also being kind of real time uh like those old movies which is
1: pretty good that way yeah i like that yeah what about you do you think there are there any negatives that you notice in it
0: uh, it's it's so hard man. I mean, uh... I, I was wondering at certain times, well, so there's one thing, uh, every time the scene changes, uh, they do this, like, kind of fade out into the next scene, right? Like it, And it's, like, kind of a cheap effect, which, if you had a video camera back in the day, it's probably one of those, like, stock transition things where every time you end, hit the record button, uh, it just kind of fades. And then also, like, sometimes when would be having conversations, it would kind of, like, jump time to, like, the next part of the conversation or something. It felt somewhat edited. So, I don't know, like, did any of those kind of camera things, uh,
1: bother? you at all uh you know i did not even notice those and i mean now that you're saying it i can envision it in my mind but no that didn't really bug me okay yeah it kind of uh bothered me a bit i I couldn't tell if that's like oh, well
0: this is like how it would be since it's a low fi uh production method but uh i I don't know like because then obviously there was some editing because like in the conversations yeah it it would like skip time and stuff but then other times it would just like fade out and then slowly fade into the next
1: scene so that, that was the only kind of downside I had. But what, what about you? Um, yeah, that didn't bug me, and I don't, I don't know, man. I can't really think of many downsides to tell you the truth. I was, oh, man. I was surprised by how much I liked this on rewatch. Such a fun rewatch, right? It really is. Uh, one other, I mean, one other thing I wanted to bring up. This isn't a negative, but talking about how we hate mika (laughs) (laughs) he's so skeptical and such a jerk the whole time that it creates a moment that's really powerful when they invite the psychic back and the psychic walks in the door and is like holy shit like it's it's not good for me to be here i have to leave like and he gets the fuck out of there real fast yeah and even mika is like screaming like at him like what are we supposed to do like you can't yeah. just leave us here and it's the first time that mika has really shown any vulnerability yeah yeah exactly and i think him being a dick for the entire movie really just makes that moment feel all the more powerful when the psychic's just like i can't even be in this house right yeah and then mika's like terrified that they're alone now because yeah. he's been yeah. so sort of like i got this i know i know it's such a turn turning character there
0: yeah yeah I know, I know. That, that, that was, that was, uh, it's kind of fitting to see his, his character's downfall at that point. Um, it's so weird, though, man, because I, I swear the first time I watched this, I kind of felt bad for Mika that, like, uh, he gets murdered at the end, and uh, he had no idea what was, like, coming for him, and he was kind of, like, the victim in this whole situation. But watching it now is just so different. Like, did, did you
1: feel that, too? I don't remember feeling that the first time. I have no idea how I felt about Mika, but he definitely, like, lords it over Katie a few times that she wasn't like he is the victim like he didn't know she was haunted by something and that she should have told him all this when they moved in together yeah um and he just uses it over and over again not like he's actually hurt by it but just as a way to get his way and to do yeah. exactly what he wants exactly exactly um and he's totally that's like one of the ways he gaslights her like making her think this is her fault and he's the one who's in a bad situation so he's the one who should be like able to call all the shots right and he tries to convince her that this is actually just cool and they could like catch some cool stuff on camera he's it's like the opposite of gaslighting you normally think like (laughs) convincing someone that they're crazy is gaslighting but it's trying to convince her that he's the victim yeah yeah I guess that's not necessarily true. Scratch that.
0: Oh <laughs> no, no! I, I think you're exactly right. Like he's he's like uh, approaching it from a yeah, different way. I don't think it. And yeah, and like she's like had like such a, a crazy emotional ride with this for how many years. And like yeah, his response is definitely uh, very
1: like uncalled for. Yeah, the film. and I think that's that's probably the way like gaslighting often happens is convincing someone that a really fucked up situation is normal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Do you
0: think there's a part of this film, uh, and yeah, given this is like 2007 or whatever, but do you think uh, at all there's like a parallel they're trying to draw between the demonic stuff uh, increasing uh, versus like their relationship on the, and like how like his, his, yeah, it's kind of like toxic, how he's treating her. Do you think that was like intentionally
1: designed uh, to mirror each other or anything there? I kind of thought it was, man. I think that the psychic saying that... Um, the thing feed, the demon feeds on negative energy was a, a hint that Mika was more negative energy in her life than Katie even realized or would let on to. Yeah. Because yeah, we never right. really saw at any point in time how he was a helpful person or a good influence in her life. Mm-hmm. But yeah. she, I think she started to see that towards the end and get more frustrated with him, but she didn't seem to th- S- realize how horrible he truly was yeah yeah interesting so you
0: would say the villain in this
1: film is mika yep nice nice
0: <laughs> yeah and the demon freed katie of mika interesting yeah yeah that's that's an interesting take i'm, I'm curious to hear uh, other people's uh, reaction to that but uh yeah it's, I, I think like watching it now it's, i could definitely see that and in, in it feels like it um my, but I mean, yeah, then then you have the other films where I think she goes and kills like some other people too. So yeah, I mean yeah. the other films would say, "Hey Brian, you're wrong." But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this film on its own, I, I think you're right. Like uh, he, he's the the villain
1: here, and oh, it's like a, a path to liberation, huh? Yeah, I'm clo- I'm clutching this little pet theory to my heart, just like the demon clutched that burnt photo to his heart.
0: Nice, nice, I like it I like it Just imagine him with like some glue stick and other
1: photos Keeping that scrapbook
0: <laughs> <laughs> Having a great time
1: Yeah uh, Here's cool. us at That Madonna concert
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly <laughs> Good times <laughs> Uh Alright, well how many uh Ouija boards on fire Would you give this one then? i give it five Ouija boards on fire Ah, damn, that's awesome Good for you, man. Uh, yeah, I think I'm right. Th- I'm right there with you. Five uh, Ouija boards, and uh, I was. One thing I was worried about is I, I. feel like I have very strong memories of watching this in the theater and like the theater going nuts during it. Um, did you feel like that translated to the experience of watching it at home as well?
1: I I was really surprised that it did. I thought here in 2021, when we've seen way more movies like this, it wasn't going to be as effective, and it was going to be like a look back in time and. Mm-hmm. It, it really wasn't Aside from like Wondering what I thought Of Mika at the time And not remembering Realizing he was Such a jerk Yeah um, I think it, it really It held up Really it did. well Yeah it did right And it still so, scared me Yeah Yeah I know Whatever they, they, they did here It still works it Even like timeless. watching I watched the alternate endings On YouTube And they were Very similar to each other But I was like Getting scared <laughs> each time Because I was like Something slightly different Is going to happen What is it What's it going to be Ah, oh, uh, cool! I, I'll have to check those out. I haven't seen them,
0: but uh, they—they it sounds like they—they're worth watching. Yeah, they are. I would I would check them out. Decide right. which one's your favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, that that's really cool. And I I think this ending was like uh, the one like Spielberg suggested or something too, right?
1: Yeah, supposedly he was involved at some point because he think I think Paramount purchased Amblin or something like that. Paramount owns DreamWorks. Okay. Okay, yeah. Cool cool yeah well we got him to thank for it that's great yeah yeah I think awesome. he well, may have made the right call especially for the the crowd pleaser at the end yeah
0: yeah yeah I remember it. that definitely got a lot of people that's yeah that's a good one uh great well anything else on this film that's all I got all right Well, that's been our discussion on Paranormal Activity. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on HorrorMovieClub.com or shoot us an email at podcast at HorrorMovieClub.com. We're going to be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We also have a Discord server where we're chatting up with other listeners and horror fans, so you can find that link on our websites. We have a Patreon page in case you want to throw some change our way. You can find that at patreon.com slash Club. Our logo is by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on etsy.com. Until next time, if you're trying to play the stock market, we recommend investing for the long term. Otherwise, you're going to be murdered by a demon. Fuck <laughs> you day traders. <laughs> One last
1: fuck you day traders. <laughs> yeah.